The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, Stephen Cohen is here with us and we're going to talk about his book, The Last Train to Mantra. It's an emotionally gripping novel that takes the reader on a journey through the life of Noel Smith, a highly successful American attorney with a troubled past. So what inspired you to create this character of Noel Smith? I think it started with location. Um, I had spent uh, winters parts of winters in the same in my in the resort overlooking Montreux, Rocher Denae. I, I am not a skier. I went up once on skis and I fell down and that was it. Um, but I wanted to, I had already written two books of short stories and a tremendous amount of business writing. And I said, okay, I'm going to try a novel. And um, as you, I, I had put together a basic structure for the novel, which I've done. It was, but it, I think it's an unusual approach because it's a verbal diary that the protagonist recorded after he fell down a mountain slope trying to commit suicide. And it, he relates to he, his um, orthopedist comes in and says, look, it's very clear that you do not fall, you jump. Yeah. Um, you're lucky you survive. And what I want you to do is see a psychiatrist when this is finished. And I know what she wants from you. She wants you to dictate what you did. Don't try to be a psychiatrist. That's her job. And that's where the idea came from. And who did you base the characters on? Well, there are a few, I can tell you a few people, but the, the most important actually is uh, Anna Marie. Anna Marie is based on my wife and my on our uh, marriage. We lived in New York. We met, I got her phone number and she got my phone number. She called, we made a phone call. We said we would meet for dinner. We met for dinner. We talked for three and a half hours. Wow. Uh, we, I walked her home and I very gentlemanly gave her a kiss on her cheek. By the time I uh, got three or four blocks towards, we lived very close. We lived 10 blocks apart in Manhattan. Um, I called her up and I said, this is probably the most memorable evening in my life. And I meant that. And she wow. said, you know what? It was for me. We we dated for another few months. And then uh, when I felt the time had come, I said, you know, I think both of us have something to say, but you have to say it first. And she's a very aggressive woman. And she said, yes, I want to marry you. She said, how did you? And I said, how did you know I wanted to marry you? So she was the setting for Anna Marie, who really, in the context of the novel, only appears in the front and the 
back. Um, wow. I had a, a, a good corporate, I worked uh, as a partner at Ernst & Young. That was a major job of my life. And there were things that I saw there. Um, I based it on a little bit, not, not with anecdotes, but just the personality on someone uh, who unfortunately just passed away, who was the chairman of the board of Ernst & Young. Um, and I had a very good relationship with him. And people were petrified of him because, you know, a chairman of the board of a big corporation, it's, it's, I shouldn't say this, but it's like God has you in his hand. And yeah. I never had that relationship. I had the exact opposite relationship. So I created people in the novel who fit, that fit that description. And those are the major characters. So how come the character of Anna Marie only appears in the book at the beginning and the end? They're both innocent, meaning versions. They meet the first the first um, winter and they have a great time together but they're very shy and uh, they both think about the other for the entire year and they agreed okay every year the first week in February is perfect for me she says and he says me too the second year they go and um, they he walks into the dining room and she's sitting there with a big handsome guy and he just is outraged by what's happened and um, during the the, uh, the end of the week she said you know that was my cousin. That wasn't a boyfriend. Yeah. The third, the third, but, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm confused a little bit. One year he goes with a beautiful girl who is a, a, a platonic friend of his and he doesn't tell her her mission, but it's to make Anna Marie jealous. The fourth year that they're alone, just the Putin, not alone, but there's, there's no competition. They are absolutely madly in love. They're both virgins. So she invites him up to her room. She has candles lit. Um, it's very, very romantic. And then she says, just as they're about to consummate the relationship, you're not Jewish, are you? He has no idea what to say. <laughs> He's a Christian. He's a Catholic. And he has no idea what to say. He said to himself, if I say I'm Christian, Catholic, um, it may turn her off. If I say I'm Jewish, it may turn her off. If I'm silent, I don't know what to do. And he leaves and he's distraught. And um, that's the end of that relationship. But it's the premier relationship in his life. And to take it, if you want to look at the romantic side of the book, he um, he was terribly hurt by what happened because he just, I, I think we've all been in that situation where you, we don't know how to answer very critical questions. Um, if after a year or two, he gets married to a beautiful Catholic girl, a wonderful relationship, they become uh, pregnant, she becomes pregnant after three months and they furnish the apartment. He's doing well in the firm. They have beautiful furniture. She gets goes into labor and after about four or five hours, the obstetrician and his father, who's the head of surgery at that hospital, come out and say, we have to speak to you. And they go into a private office and your wife and baby died in childbirth. And I researched, does that actually happen? Yes, it's terrible. It's rare, but it happens. So now he's just, he's had two bowled up relationships. Um, he continues, the book continues describing his career through the firm. He's very successful. He's very smart. He's innovative. He turns this into um, a worldwide legal firm. And um, and meanwhile, he's, he's made a lot of friends in the firm, but a few enemies. And it all revolves around the Jewish issue, because when he first started, he was so good that they went to him, the senior partners, and said, look, you're in charge of recruiting at Harvard. Um, we want you to steer 
Jews, blacks, and women away from our firm. Next year, they said, we want you to go to all of the other recruiters, the, the other really bright stars in the firm, and give them the exact same message. You know, he's a good soldier. He does what he's told. He has no feelings about it. Um, and then about after the president, the um, Civil Rights Act passed in the United States, he realizes the firm is behind the times. And he opens it up to Jews, blacks, and women and does everything to make life easy for them, um, but fair. And um, so that is, that's the evolution of the book. Now, if you want me to give you a little more, I'll give you a little more. It continues, it takes his experiences as the chairman of a, first as a great attorney, and then as the chairman of a huge firm. And as I said, I knew the chairman of Ernst & Young, which is an accounting firm, but there are many similarities. I pulled in, and one, of, one of my career steps is I was a superintendent of banking in Ohio, and I pulled in an attorney who was representing me in a suit. And in the book, he was he wrote briefs that were so beautiful that the judge, before the session, the critical session of the trial started, the judge said, I've never read a brief that's this clear. So I introduced <laughs> that into the into the story also. Um, and it's on, he's getting in his 40s and his 50s, and um, he's, he's getting ready to retire. He's arranged that the partners can retire at 60, and if they want to be of counsel to the firm, they can can continue with a vote of approval from 80% of the uh, partnership. At that point in his life, a lot of bad things happen, and that is why he tries to commit suicide. He goes back to, of course, to the site of his first love. It does sound like he's not very lucky throughout the book. Was that something that you deliberately did, or was it just how the story evolved over time? No, no, no. That's how the story evolved. Well, I knew how I wanted it to end. Um, and, but that was, he, I, he, had it to, he had to have some major provocations in order to commit suicide. He was a guy who was called in by the Pope to consult on the issue of child molestation by priests. He had other experiences at that level. He spoke with the president of the United States on some issues. So he was a very top-notch guy. And then these major blows, which have hurt, would have hurt anyone, um, take place. And that drives him to suicide. And then to almost suicide. He failed because, and this is true, the place he wanted to commit suicide, there's a cliff, and right next to it is a very steep hill. He went out at midnight, no moon, and he went down the very steep hill, not the cliff. So... Yeah. Uh, so that's the that part of the story. Now, your writing style is quite unique because it makes the readers want more. So how did you figure out that writing style? First of all, it's not intentional. I, I read your question, and um, I should tell you that until I was in college, I did not write anything because my handwriting is illegible. And I, I scraped through. I'm the, I was a very good speaker, and um, my teachers understand that some people do. I still i am looking at some notes that I took for this conversation. I can hardly read. <laughs> uh, but then when I got into college, first year of college, and you know, the, 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 ter- the big paper you have to write in the first year, the research papers, in each subsequent year, I wrote great papers. I mean, really, the teacher said, we haven't seen papers like this. I love doing it. All of my jobs from then on involved writing. I worked um, in uh, business consulting. Um, I, I moved up the ladder at, as a consultant at Ernst & Young. I, um, when I took early retirement, I started writing proposals and business plans for companies that were seeking out money. And I just love doing it. it it's, it's just, uh, I, I think I said somewhere, it's doing what comes naturally. I said it in the book. Um, and, and I really got complimented. I remember one 
one time my boss said I went on a, my first trip on a business, um, on an expense account after I moved out of New York, and the boss looked at me and that very nice guy said, "Steve, this you must have had a wonderful time in New York." I knew just what he meant, and he said, "What I want you to do is to write an article and get it published. I'll pay your business, I'll pay your expense report, but that's the punishment. You must get an article published." I wrote an article called "The Bank Marketing Strategy for the 1970s." I sent it up to the most prestigious banking magazine at the time. It was selling, celebrating its 150th anniversary. It was the lead article. They sent it back to me after they reviewed it, and I think there were three typos. That was it. Wow. They took it, and um, and then I just continued to do it. I, I was the superintendent of banks in Ohio, and I had to make a statement um, about what the future of banking was going to be, especially electronic banking, which is just that's what all it is now. And I just did it. It, it just came naturally, and it and it it was a very good combination because of my handwriting. I learned to speak well. I was always a good speaker, and um, and because of the of uh, electric typewriters and then PCs, I became and and Grammarly. Um, I became very adept at writing, and I just and when I sit and dictate. I'm working on another book now, and it's a sh- another series of short stories. And I have a, I know what what they're about basically. The basics, the subject of the book is um, uh, um, beha- proper behavior, not in the mismanners sense, but just ethical behavior towards people. What what things you can do. So uh, I'm I'm right now I'm working on lies. So I know already it's going to be a person who continually lies to everyone in his life, and they believe him, and then his life falls apart. Um, and and to fill in. The, when I, when I sit down to start dictating, it just, it comes. That, that's all yeah. I can say. And I love. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I love writing. I'm not, and the other thing is, fortunately, I'm not writing for the money. I'd love to sell 10 million copies. I'd like to be another J.K. Rowling. But <laughs> if that doesn't happen, I will have no regrets because what I get out of it is I can read my own books and enjoy them. That's it. And uh, and then I got the idea sometime in the spring that maybe I would I would really try to uh, sell them. I, I, I posted the two books on, uh, the first two books, the two short story books on Amazon, but absolutely no market effort. It wasn't, that wasn't my uh, objective. So I found uh, Woodbridge and I said, okay, let's see what happens. And that's what I'm doing. But I'm already working, I'm working on two books right now and I'm looking for a third. Your next book is is actually about ethical behaviour. Will it follow yeah. the same themes of romance or will that be explored in a different genre? Oh, no, no, totally. Well, it's going to be the same thing. Short stories about to illustrate my point. And, um, but de- no, no, definitely not going to in- engage in, I- I've hit uh, romance already sufficiently. And, um, but I, I'll just give you, if you have another minute, I'll give you an example of what, what kind yeah. of a story is interesting. Um, this story appears in one of the books. It's the first one of the stories in the the sec and the second book was the Saints and Sinners. Not a religious book, but it's a book about people who are very bad and very good. And how do you differentiate? The story is there's a man, a man my age in his eighties. He um, goes out every day for long walks. His wife asks him in the way wives, you know, somewhat suspiciously ask, what are you doing? He said, I guarantee you it is nothing you're going to be embarrassed about. Um, And he, in the end, he has a heart attack. He's not at home. They take him to the hospital and he has a funeral. And all of a sudden, dozens of people he's never, she's never met show up at the funeral and they describe what he does in his life. He goes out every morning to a street where kids are walking to school. And he walks them to schools. I mean, he, to, so they don't cross in the middle of the street. He um, he calls the city anytime he sees something that is uh, needs repair. He calls about it, and that that's one example that I'm trying to do. And but when I walk, because of the book, when I walk in the morning, which I do, I always say hello to people unless I think I'm going to frighten them. Like I won't say hello to young girls teenage girls, everyone else, and and um, everyone smiles back, and that's a very healthy thing. So that's the next the next book. Do you have any other books after that, or unrelated books that you're thinking of writing? Simultaneous. A simultaneous book is I I wanted to write an autobiography, but that had a very interesting life. But autobiographies are so time constrained. In 1956, I I didn't want to write that, so I started thinking of the topics which form my life, and I came up with a list of about 130 different things. Just as a, I love transportation. So I have a plane section, a train section, and a ship section, and I hate automobiles and an automobile section. Yeah. I have set, and it just goes on and on. And when I when I sit, when I try to do this, when I got the idea in the middle of the night, which is when I do my best thinking, um, I immediately ran into my down the stairs into my office and started dictating ideas. And they just it, it flowed. It, it, that's who I am. That's how it works. 
Um, if you've ever read, I don't know if you worked in a, in a consulting organization where there is mandatory output quick. You learn. You're fast or you're dead. So uh, I, I learned it without any pain. And uh, and I gained the respect of the people I worked with also. It was very, a very good experience. And I, and I, I mean, I, and I've been responsible through my business plans for some very good, successful firms. So um, that's, that's how I write. I love doing it. And, um, and, 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 and I, there was a question I I've forgotten the exact wording, but is there some strategy to you? Just what comes out. I trust what comes out. Um, I rely on my wife to read what I will do. I use Grammarly, but that's that's a technical thing. Yeah. Uh, and I just I just enjoy it, and I love. I still cry on the last page of Mantra. I just cry when I read it, and when wow. you get there, you find out why. It's just I love it. That's amazing to cry at your own book. Yeah, I laugh, I cry, and I I don't know. God knows how many times I've read that last page not not intentionally just because you edit and you edit and you edit and you correct yeah. but that's what happens and I love it and that's to me that's the reward the reward is not being I mean I'd love to be on the New York Times bestseller list yeah. that's an ego um, but to know that I created something I, I went to a very interesting lecture I'm a, I'm a polymath um, so I went to a very interesting lecture about Michelangelo's uh, works of art and his sculpture and, and the Sistine Chapel and it's just that's the kind of thing it just came to him and and, um, and I, I guess I'm not certainly not in that class at all, but I, I use the same approach. What I feel, if I feel it and I like it, it's good. And it, and in the book, you'll find some things that are pretty warned me. I'll just give you this one hint, and I did this intentionally. There is there is sex in the book. Yeah. The sexual scenes that involve people who are truly in love are really romantic love. And there are a couple of very ugly things that happen in the book. Um, just two people who have been molested as children describing their experiences. There was another one, um, no, I can't think of it offhand, but those things, uh, oh, in the first sexual experience that Noah has is with a prostitute. He's flying back from Europe, he sits next to a woman, um, as he says, she was a very good person to go to a, to a plastic surgeon, <laughs> and uh, he gives him his card, and, and she puts a big kiss stain on it. Um, and that's his introduction to sex. She's a prostitute, she calls him up, and then at the end of this awful, awful, it's really terrible to read, she said, the first time is three, so don't worry about paying it. I mean, ugh. And uh, that's a little philosophical reflection that I have. Um, so that that that's who I am. And um, and I, uh, but, but, I, but it really spoke for the first eight grades of my life. When I used the word writing, I meant handwriting. And it was awful. And that lasted all the way through college fortune, and high school. Fortunately, my professor said, this is a bright kid. He really can do it. We don't have to grade him on penmanship. Um, but that was growing up in the 1950s in New York City. In the meantime, where are we able to find your current book, which is called The Last Train to Montreux. It's in the hands of, uh, the, what's it named, Ridgeway Publishers. It's Maxwell and there's another guy working on it. They've done the, and I'd, I'd love to get it out. I'm trying to give them a little push because I'm a very impatient person. Supposedly they're going to post it on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble is ready for that. They're doing an audio. I'm not, I'm not aiming to do a lot of paper. I'll tell you why, because I don't believe in wasting a lot of paper. I don't mean wasting 
But I read all my books electronically. And um, the only books that I don't read electronically are when I'm trying to fall asleep because the doctor said yeah. I shouldn't read electronically. And that's, and that's my that's my strategy. Um, if some publisher comes and says, you know, I really like to print 50,000 copies, absolutely. But um, at this stage, I want to get some people interested. That's that's my uh, objective. I, I I, I would not let something be printed if I didn't think it was a contribution. I learned that when I was working. If I wrote something and I said to myself, I could do better than this, then it's not going to come out. That's going to take a lot more time. There were too many of those, but, uh, you know, it happens. It happens to all of us. But the process is what's important. If you, if you, it's like anything, it's like a sportsman. God, you know, God forbid I was a sportsman. I have no, no skill. Um, but the guys like that, I'll, I'll close, I think, you, I don't know when you want to end. But I'll tell you a story about my brother. My brother was a very famous advertising artist, and they did a commercial with Arnold Palmer. Uh, and he went out to the filming, and all the time Arnold Palmer there was was putting. And my brother said to Mr. Palmer, "You're the world's greatest golfer. Why are you putting?" That's why I'm the world's greatest golfer. So practice is very important, and uh, that's what I like about it. I mean, I, uh, the idea of this this strange autobiography, I think, is a great, for me, it's a great idea, and I try to make it interesting and um i'll go back I, i've been i've been sick the last two years so um it's been a little bit choppy in terms of writing i think i'm better now but um but even that i don't think i've ever incorporated hospitals and, but i will and, and i i think i i store things we all store things yeah and if you're a writer and you're looking for something to write about it's there um i i just don't know what it's like to struggle to find something um I know what it is. That's 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 who I am. And if I don't like the way it's going, I throw it away. I, I can't think of anything um, that I've done that with. It just that's who I am. It comes. I like it. Um, I love the feeling. And if I can make a few people happy, that's fine. I, I was at a family dinner uh, this week, and a few people said, "Steve, why don't you get me a copy of the book?" Because I'm waiting for the Audible and the and the paperback to come out. So it's it's that's that's the real reward. Yes. Anything else? You know, it's, it would be nice, but I would not, I would not, I will not cry or commit suicide. Think of uh, of Noel, but um, that that's that's who I am. I live I live a nice sedentary life. I've got a wonderful creative life. As I said, we have a, a the normal shares of ups. If you don't have ups and downs in a marriage, you're a liar. <laughs> um, but we have a wonderful life, and um, we knew we were going to get married, and uh, the day we met, and we confirm that it's all the t years we've lived together 35 years or something um we we, we we marvel at it that that first night we both decided we're going to get married and uh, to each other and uh, and we weren't i was 38 and she was 35 so we weren't uh kids many thanks for talking to us today it's been great having you on okay i really appreciate your time planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribb 